0: Hi everybody, this is Witz from Spider Bait. When I'm passing through Carom, aside from slowing down to fifty kilometers an hour
1: and reminiscing about doing the ill race road rumba or the Watley Street wibble, I like to tune in to Radio Carom and get down with the good vibes.
0: Welcome This week's guest was born in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada and was adopted at birth. She is a mother of three amazing children and over the last three years she has had to deal with so many challenges, all of which pales when compared with the trauma of losing her son. The word miscarriage doesn't properly paint the picture of horror and deep trauma that Kay and others who live through this endure she is coming on Strong, Single and Human to hopefully help anyone who has been through a similar experience to heal and talk about their feelings and their experience. She's an increasingly well-known influencer in the mental health space and the host of Trials and Tribulations, where she shares her struggles and interviews others about theirs hey welcome Kay parker thank you thank you thank you thank you for coming on the podcast
1: thank you so much for having me i'm so blessed to be here
0: no i can't wait to talk to you about your journey it's not it's been a journey of it's been a roller coaster of a journey really Mm -hmm. so look tell us so you've got three amazing kids right and um, do, you've yes. been through a hell of a like, last three years. But like, <laughs> let's just take a step back from that. And I think we all have with COVID and various different things like that, but no- nothing in the stand of what you've been through, okay? But let's take a step back and talk about like, what, where you've come from and what you've, um, you know, how you got to be um, a mom of three amazing kids.
1: Yeah. So we're taking it way back.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's go there. Way,
1: way, way back. Um, Yeah. I was just the typical girl. I went to high school. I tried the college thing and I did a couple of courses and I just, I felt like I was forced into it. it. It was just kind of like, I was told like right after high school, no break, let's go right to college because My parents didn't want me to have that break and then never go back. They wanted me to have something to fall back on. So I just chose like travel and tourism business management. I was always um, doing jobs as like a receptionist or hotels, front desk, all that stuff. So it was just kind of natural to me. And then I ended up actually becoming a manager in like my, I think I was 20 or 21 of um, a little boutique in of like 12 rooms with a restaurant. It was like a really beautiful restaurant. It was in Niagara Lake. So it was a beautiful location and having all that responsibility without any education. I was like, okay, hold on a second. I'm going to school for a job that I got (laughs) without going to school. So at that point in time, I was like, this is stupid. So I dropped out of school because I was already doing the job. And when I did the job, I realized for the rest of my life, I'll be working shift work. I'm going to be working holidays. I'm going to have to have my phone on 24-7 because if anything happened, they call me and I would have to be there. And at that moment, I realized like that's just wasn't for me. So I went back to school. Um, I am adopted. So my when I met my birth family, all of them have uh, special needs. My mom is developmentally delayed. My sister has epilepsy. She's developmentally delayed. And because I was taken right from birth, I felt like I was the lucky one. I would yeah. like, put in quotes, no damage has been physically done. <laughs> A lot in here, but no, <laughs> <laughs> no damage has been physically done. So I was given that really great opportunity, um, to be healthy and to not like suffer from epilepsy due to a physical, like assault or lack of parenting and leaving whatever the case may be of what happened to that. Yeah. I was free from that abuse. So. When I was 12, I started um, volunteering at a special needs summer camp. So I would be helping um, these children who had special needs just have a great summer. And it was like a respite for their parents. And I really got to learn what it was, how privileged I was at that time. Because I would be learning about um, gastro tube feedings. And I would like, and these children in wheelchairs and how I could help them like Just do basic things that we are basic for us, but for them it was such a hard thing just holding a pencil. And at 12 years old, like that was a really, I didn't realize how much of an impact it would have on me. So the second time I went back to school was for special needs and I fell in love with it right away. But of course, I got the job before the education again but i was like you know what i was it had it was a nine to five i got my summers off i didn't have to work weekends it came with the pension it
0: it looked you got money like
1: it was it was perfect it was great in my 20s i was like great like i have a career like this is amazing and i bought my first house and i didn't have to serve at nights. and i it was really like it felt like everything came together um at that point and that's when I got pregnant and my boyfriend and I at the time he him and I have been on and off since we were 13 um and I went up to him like so what are we doing here we're getting married or we're doing this as best friends what do you want to do so we chose to get married um and we built a life and that's what I've done up until, like,
0: I guess, like, a
1: couple of years ago when everything changed and now, like, yeah, I was married, I was an educational assistant, and that was my life. And now that I look back on it, I was like, wow, like, it's pretty much a decade of me getting pregnant over and over and over again and just building a family.
0: Well, yeah, because you've you've got, like, the three – you've got three amazing kids, but then also – you um gave birth to an amazing baby boy yeah baby, was a baby boy. boy wasn't so it yeah, baby boy his name's
1: Jack. Yeah.
0: yeah 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 that's right um but unfortunately for some reason he didn't survive um right. your pregnancy and so Tell me, tell me about what's actually hit you over the last three years before we go on to the miscarriage. Because miscarriage, I think it's. I I agree with you. I think it's extremely. People dismiss it as like, oh, okay, but it's not. It's not a baby that was born. So you know, why would you? What? But it. It like. It is there within you for the nine months. And I want to delve into that because I think it's extremely important and I agree with you. We need to talk about these things because it is a bereavement mm-hmm. and it is, um, you know, it, it's a child that was in you moving and moving and alive for a period of time. And so you do grieve it and, it, it, you know, both parties. But let's let's not get into that yet. Mm-hmm. Like tell us about the like – so. You got these three amazing kids, right? But the last three years have been a nightmare for you, haven't they? A nightmare. Like so, God, it was. <laughs> tell us about it.
1: <laughs> it was well. I guess <laughs> where do I begin? Wow. It wasn't just. It wasn't just the miscarriage because I want to back up further because I was actually doing a lot of work this week. Okay. And. As somebody who's going through a divorce, and I like to talk about divorce very lightly, but as somebody's going through a divorce, you struggle with a lot of different emotions. There's anger, there's hate, there is resentment, there's happiness, there's love, there's um, your question if you made. There's so many different emotions while you're going through the process. And one of the things that I learned this week was really being able to identify somebody as who they are and releasing all expectations. And the biggest thing I learned this week was I need to let go of who I thought I was supposed to be. And that's been what I've been struggling with. I had um, a reporter come to my house uh, during Easter and she was doing an interview with me and I was talking about my divorce and typically I don't cry because it's been going on for some time and I just, it's a, re- I've already processed it, but I looked at, it was my photo of my kids were just like off to like my peripherals and I saw them and I just started crying. And I, I was like, Ooh, (laughs) what was that emotion? (laughs) I, where did that come from about this? Where did that come from? And it's, it took me a second and I was like, Oh, right. Because I was told I was supposed to be a wife and a mother and a successful um, employee. And in my head, I was raised a certain way. And this isn't my family's fault or anything. It's just the way it was. Like I was brought up to live a certain way. And I was told that this is the way you had to do it. So in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, did I ruin my family? Did I ruin my children's future? Are my kids are going to be looked at like, oh, they're like part of a divorce. Are people going to like, feel sorry for my children? Are they going to have more struggles? Are like, what?" And then I was like hyperventilating. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then you start ruminating and spiraling. And I'm like, what if my husband finds a new woman? Is she going to be better than me? And then you get all these insecurities flooding in. And I was like, holy. And I really had to stop myself and take a step back and be like, in my marriage, it takes two people to make a relationship work. Completely. Plain and simple. Yeah. And regardless of who blames who, at the end of the day it takes two people who are actively choosing each other and if one person doesn't you're off balance if both people do don't you end up in divorce and if you stay together that is when you're actively making a conscious choice to choose each other and what i found in our relationship is that i think i always knew that and this is a really hard thing to say but i always felt it in my gut that we weren't going to make it yeah and i didn't know how to explain it like i remember walking down the stairs on my wedding and i remember holding my like i was six months pregnant and i looked at my dad and i was like no 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 no, no, no. i can't do this i don't want to do this like this doesn't feel right and he laughed he's like oh get it over like he was just trying to make light of the situation because he just thought it was like cold feet and he's like well you already did the baby. You might as well finish it off. And he was just trying to be my dad, you know, and he didn't say anything wrong. It was just him just being loving and trying to support me and not for me to be scared. And I have a little gypsy soul. So the thought of being tied down, even though it's something I've always dreamt of and wanted, it was a really terrifying
0: moment. Yeah, I agree might be why you and I yeah. connect so much because because <laughs> I'm very similar I don't like I don't like sitting in one place I don't like no. even like I don't like being bored I've always got half a dozen other things on the go and I like traveling like uh I miss traveling the, the last couple of years I just missed I like the excitement of traveling and going to a new place and meeting new people. And I suppose in a way, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast because it was my way of getting to meet new people without traveling. Right. So it's just yeah. yeah.
1: But I I love that you said that. Like you don't want to be bored. And I hate saying it, but I was bored in my marriage. It was I was complacent. It was the same thing every single day. And I remember every single like every four to six weeks it would be the same fight over if it wasn't about his family it was about that i didn't feel loved in the way that he was showing me love i didn't feel seen i didn't feel heard i we just weren't i was like where's the passion like you have to constantly fall in love with each other over and over and over again in different ways and we were so young we like we got i got married when i was 23 And thinking about that, I was like, oh my gosh, like the person who was at 23 isn't any, anything like the person that I am today. And you either grow together or you grow apart. apart. And I think the marriage taught me so much and it taught me what I wanted, what I didn't want. And it's not that I regret it at all, but it's just part of now my life book. Yeah. And it's just a chapter and it's a beautiful chapter. And we have so many beautiful memories. And I couldn't imagine anybody else being the father of my children because of what we have is so beautiful, but it was really releasing just the expectation that, okay, I am more than just a mom. I don't want to be a stay at home farmer's wife. I don't, I want more. Yeah. And I knew I needed more. But then I was like, am I selfish? Because I had a pretty darn good life. Yeah. I had a man that would never cheat on me. I would never have those problems. And I had it good in terms of like
0: but that life. But who's, just, but who's to say that you're not going to have that? going forward. We don't know what our future has got in there. And it's quite interesting that you said, and I want to pick up on a point that you said earlier, right? In the fact that you're not the only person in the marriage and the relationship and, you know, as a parent, right? Because it was very, I... Um, And my ex has issues with substance abuse, but like I was going to counselling and I'll never forget my counsellor said to me, because I said, I'm going to destroy my son's life. I'm going to destroy my son's life. And I feel really guilty for breaking up his family and destroying his life right and exactly like you right you know i felt as though i was like well what's that does that mean for my son you know is he going to be like a criminal is he going to take drugs because he's from a one-parent family and you know all of the various different issues there and this counselor turned around and she said to me but you're only 50 percent of that situation you're only half of that like you're Part ex-partner he was my partner at the time but your partner is also an element of everything that's going on and so he needs to come up and stand up to the mark and actually take responsibility and ownership for the relationship and for your son's life and all this stuff and and you're just take you're the one who's being responsible and saying okay this has to stop and etc etc so it was really interesting how she said like it has to be both of you both of you that needs to work it forward. And you said exactly the same thing. So and, and it's right. You know, you've both got to work at it. It's bloody hard, but you've both got to work at it or call it quits. Yeah. And then do the comparing.
1: And I love that you said that you don't know what like the future is going to bring. And I feel like the other really big thing, and this is what I learned from my podcast of trials and tribulations is people are every guest that I had on. They always talked about taking that risk, is stepping outside the complacency, stepping outside that comfort zone. And I truly feel that if I didn't leave, like he's the one that served me, but like during when we talk about like all the details later, like if we didn't choose to separate and get a divorce, I wouldn't be where I am today. and I wouldn't have done the growth. I wouldn't have done the learning. And when I talk to my mentors and my counselors, they're always like, okay. This is what you know. So just think about what you really want. Manifest a life that you want. Manifest where you want to live. The smell of your home. The feel of your brand new couch. You're, and I think people have such a limited thinking when in reality, like, this is your world. You literally can create any outcome you want. So when I started thinking about it, I was like, right, I'm not stuck. In a little country town. I am meant for something bigger. So what would that look like? What would that taste like? What would that smell like? And then I really put myself, I started looking at properties about, of like my future, my dreams. What do I want to drive? What do I want to wear? How do I want people to see me? How do I want people to perceive me? And when I started asking those big questions, cause people are like, well, what do you want? And I was like, well, what I do know." is I don't want to feel the way I feel in this marriage. What I do know is that I don't want to be an EA anymore because this working this job for that little money is not going to cut it for me anymore. I and so many people are like, this is what you're doing? Like, I, I feel like you, everybody just assumed that I would do more. So I knew I was cutting myself short. And when things start to get easy, that's when I'm like, all right, then I need to change. And so. And you
0: can yeah. do, but you, like you said, right? You can do anything, absolutely anything. anything. During COVID, I studied and did, I'm um, doing, and I make myself facial oils, right? So I make myself facial oils. I started this podcast. I paint not sure my paintings are actually like you know what you would (laughs) love to put on your wall well some of them my mum thinks they're okay so that's the main thing right but you know what exactly you know right it's all good but you know I mean some of them I look I mean I've got some of them up on my wall and stuff like that but um but who cares do you know what I like (laughs) There are artists out there who make millions of dollars, right? And I From a dot. Oh, my God, right? Like, uh, I've just discovered a guy, I can't think of his surname now, but his name's called Cy, I think. Cy somebody or other. C-Y. I think that's how you'd sort of pronounce it. C-Y. And I can't think of his surname now. It's gone out of my head. But, like, his pictures are like somebody's got a paintbrush and gone like this on the right? And I'm sure they're like, and I I actually, I love his pictures, right? I'm very abstract painter as well, right? But it's like, and I look at it and I go, and they're like, they go for millions of dollars, right? Millions. I think, I can't think, I think the most expensive picture he sold was 70 million, right? And I go, oh my God, really? (laughs) But it's art, right? It's everyone's interpretation of it. But like, if I sat there and went, oh my, my, I'm just... Like I like my artwork, so I put it up on the walls. It's like, but it's for me, right? Yeah. And it, it, you just do stuff for yourself, and don't. It's a bit like the Nike ad where you go, "Just do it." But just do it. You never know what's going to happen. No, and so that's, like,
1: yeah, life. And that's it. Brings me a, a back to um, I was just on a podcast the other day, and they said, "Like, what was your biggest takeaway from everything?" And I said, "Is the ability that." I've completely changed my mindset. When I go about my day, you have, you make choices every day. You choose what you want to wear. You choose what you want to eat. You choose what you want to drink. You choose everything. What street you want to go down. Everything is choices. And before I used to always make the same choices. Say if I was like, well, if I keep on making the same things. And then, um, a friend of mine was like, well, that clearly hasn't been working out for you. And I was like, yeah, well, you're not wrong. And then so I started to take a step back and I'm like, okay, when I make a choice, I'm going to make it really simple. Does this choice bring me joy, bring me happiness if I choose this choice? Do that choice. If it's not hurting anybody, do what makes you happy. And I've, my whole life has changed. I have lost friendships over it. I have been called every name in the book. People are like, oh, you're so selfish. I'm like, no, 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 no. I just have boundaries, or I'm putting myself first now. And it's so funny how, like, the toxic places, the toxic people, everything, once you start putting your happiness and give yourself that self value, that self worth, that self respect, and creating those really safe boundaries, your world changes. You enter a different vibrational state where you meet all these new people. And Will Smith said that he goes into the top 10, like first top 10 contacts that he's last spoken to. And that gives him an an idea of his alignment of where he's at in life. And you are the average. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're typically the average of your closest friends. So when you take the time to actually look at who you talk to on like, at the end of the day, just open your phone and look at who who are the first five people that I've talked to. Who are the top 10? And am I okay with those being my top 10? And for me, I looked at it and it's mostly work. So I said, awesome. Cause I am career motivated right now that yeah. my brand and me being involved in so many things, that's, that means I'm aligned to a career and that's not a bad thing for me. And everything else is just like friendships of whatever aspect it is and my family. And I'm like, that's pretty good. I have my career and I have my loved ones. What else do you need?
0: And I agree with you. It's quite funny cause I did a, uh, I did an experiment not so long back um, where I just didn't phone anyone. And I just, you know, it, like you, <laughs> you have to do it over like two or three months, right? But it was like, and if people phone me, I was like, do I go, oh, God, I've got to pick the phone up to this person or do I go, oh, great, and pick the phone up? And so I just did an experiment for like two or three months where I just went, well, who, who phones me, right? Mm-hmm. Which te- there weren't that many people, but there are a few key people who are mates who phone me, right? And I think, well, those people I'll keep around in my life. But then there are other people who disappear. just don't contact.
1: Those me. are the takers. So, they are yeah. the light dimmers. Exactly. And that's how you really figure it out real quick.
0: Yeah. And some people would say, oh, you haven't phoned me for ages. And I'm like, well, you've got a phone. You can always pick it up and phone me. So those sort of people where I go, well, no, phone me. You know, like I'm here. So, yeah, look, I agree with you. And I was listening to a podcast the other day where somebody said every now and again you need to do a stock take of, like, um, people in your life. So are you – are they – takers or givers basically and do you get mm-hmm. stuff from them um and that sounds really selfish but i didn't mean it like that but i mean do, do they build you up and support you or are they taking from you and are they sucking you dry and um yeah yes yeah no i know i know so look which is which is awesome what i would like to do though now if you don't mind <laughs> I'd love to t- discuss yeah. this um, because I think it's going to help people. Like, discuss. So you've had this hell of a three years um, that you've been through. You're now yeah. heading. You're now heading through divorce, and I completely understand where you're coming from because, um, mind you, I got married. I'm very old. I'm not as young as you, but like, I got married when I was 23, and it lasted two years, and it was the worst (laughs) no it wasn't the worst decision I made in my life I've got to say but I I was like you I think when I got married my view when I got married was well if this doesn't work out I can always get a divorce it's like so my view was I wasn't really going into that marriage all wholeheartedly thinking this is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me in the world but Similar to your dad, I sort of was very joking, very laughy about it and was very much like, um, hey ho, you know, um, this could just be nerves. I could just be nervous. I could be having second thought. No, I should have really listened to myself and gone. No, you were right. But hey, you know, this is the thing we live and learn. um, And that's the whole thing. So, look, you've been through a hell of a three years so w- when did you when did you um get pregnant with your son was that like 3 years ago or is that like yeah
1: so so he would be yeah he would be 3 years now wow. so i gave birth to him in january of 2019 so we were always our marriage wasn't perfect to other people we looked like we had the white picket fence we had the perfect family the dogs the whole thing beautiful like where we live is you where know, people, awesome kids, like and, we yeah. had it all. We did, and but nobody knew what it was really like on the inside.
0: Nobody behind closed. Nobody doors. does behind so, behind closed doors. Nobody does. And look, we're not saying that your ex husband isn't like uh, you know he's not substance abuse or anything like that. He's a great guy. It's just that it didn't work out between you guys.
1: So. In a relationship, like I said, you either grow together, you grow apart, you learn and you become different things and you learn what you want. And what I, I had to, I always say this, and this is probably going to trigger a lot of people and I'm sorry in advance, but
0: wow, I
1: truly believe that my son sacrificed his life in order to give me mine back. If, and that's a really hard thing for me to say, but it is the only thing that I can say that has allowed me to cope with this. Because if it wasn't for his loss, I would have been a mom of four. I would have stayed in a marriage that, and I would have stayed in that complacency and I would have continued to be unhappy and I would have just survived. Because of his loss, and because of going into a mental health crisis, and I believe in human design, so I am a projector. So as projectors, we actually go through events so we could teach and show other people to not do what we do. And when I'm very stubborn, so when things happen to me, they have to happen in a very severe way where nobody else in this world would probably be able to cope with because it would be insanity. But for me, I'm just like, I just keep going until like,
0: I finally hit my limit. Yeah. Is it almost like the world goes, Hey, bang. And then you get the message as such.
1: So, in the next three years, uh, for me, it was three years of pure hell. So, it was yeah. losing my son, giving birth to my son. Then yeah, we tried wow. to go to Vegas. I got mugged and got everything taken from me, got beaten up in Vegas, came home to COVID for two years, got isolation. Um, and then I had to, I got in a massive car accident. I almost died oh twice gosh. with, um, I went into anaphylactic shock twice and almost died. And then I found out that I had um, breast cancer symptoms. I started bleeding through my nipple. And this is just like to name a few that are just like coming at the top of my head. Oh, and then as soon as I, this was a really big one, because as soon as I was, I found out the whole thing with Jack, after he passed away, my son was getting dental work And one of my girlfriends at the time was like making a joke. She's like, I can't believe you're putting your son out for like dental work. What if he dies? I'm like, nobody dies going under you idiot. And then guess what happened? My son had a reaction and he almost like his, his heart literally like it spiked and he had a really bad heart reaction to it. Long story short. This is a crazy this is how crazy the world is cuz this is the first time you're hearing this but my th- my son's dentist randomly couldn't come into work that day and he's like I have a backup this guy's been working at like McMaster like some big hospital that specializes in heart conditions and he was like but he's a dentist he did his all of his schooling and everything at this really great place. He would, he's going to be doing your son's like dental work today. I'm like, I don't care. Like, go ahead. I was very nonchalant at this point. And he, he was like, I just want to let you know that he was like, you gave me the most, like, I know this is really scary for you, but he was like, as a resident, he was like, this is a, a disorder and a disease that so many people talk about. It's like the white zebra. He's like, nobody sees it in their but he's like, but I did. And that's, I I read all about it. I learned all about it. So as soon as your son has it, I know exactly what he has. And he's like, he has Wolf Parkinson's white disease. And I'm like, what? Which is crazy because I was like, okay. So my heart, like my son, who I was very ill with, like I was in the hospital at like 20 weeks pregnant with him. I had every single symptom. It was really hard. The pregnancy was very hard for him. And he has this heart condition. So in my head, I'm like, is that why Jack died? Like, can I not make boys? My daughter has a heart murmur. So all these, I was like, oh
0: wow, I'm
1: starting to make like all these connections in my head. So now my son carries around a defibrillator everywhere he goes. No, really? And yeah, he has an Apple watch that like monitors his heart rate. And I like, he can go from like through like 200 plus beats per minute in one second. And the next second, it'll be at 40. So at any point in time, Like, he has an emergency saying, like, if he stops breathing, he has to be, like, airlifted straight to, like, because we don't live anywhere that can help, like, close. So, he has to get airlifted. And so, for, (laughs) I lost one son, and then I was told that at any point in time, my other son's car can just stop.
0: And that's a horrendous, yeah, that's a hell of a, yeah. So, you're dealing with the trauma of losing son number four, and then you're discovering that son number, what would he be, number three, two? Three, he
1: has this massive heart Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: On top of like all the other stuff that's going on. Wow. Yeah. And at that time too, my school board, like I was on sick leave and I'm just trying to make do and figure out what's going on in my head. And I made really poor decisions. And I, because of those decisions, I ended up getting like strangled and assaulted and beaten. And like, I've had these huge things happen to me. And I'm not to say my decisions caused somebody to strangle me, but if I didn't like, I'm just, it's a domino effect, right? That's all I'm saying. But um, it's interesting that I've went through so much in three years and that's why I wrote my story and I got it published in that article that you read. And it was just, it was that moment where I looked at everything I have went through. And I only like talked like very briefly on a portion of those things. And I'm like, right. So no matter what my husband is trying to say about me in the divorce, I'm looking back at everything I've gone through and I'm like, but doesn't that show the exact opposite? Mm. Doesn't that show the strength of a woman, a strength of a mother, the resiliency? Yeah. Doesn't it show the accountability that I have for the mistakes and how I overcame it, the growth, the knowledge, the opportunity I'm having to talk to you where I can share my story so I can help others to know that I see them I hear them I'm giving them a platform so they don't feel alone and it doesn't matter now that I'm on the other side I can say that, that I'm so happy I've went through all these experiences because if I didn't I wouldn't be where I am today but going through them being in there was you I never saw the light yeah I couldn't see the light I And I still don't know what my future is going to lead to. Like, I remember the school board told me that I had to pick either working with them or working on my brand, on my social media brand. Like, you've seen my TikToks. I'm very funny. And obviously, that doesn't work with certain companies. And that's fine. But it really made me leaving my nine to five with the benefits, with the pension, and literally taking the rug underneath my feet. Everybody was like, are you crazy? What are you thinking? What are you doing? And I was like, for the first time, I have no idea, but I'm choosing happiness and I'm choosing me. And if I'm doing things that are helping others that are also making me happy and I feel like my pain gave me my purpose, then I know that the universe is going to reciprocate something back to me that I'm able to use my passions and helping others as Like, I'll be fine because I have that undeniable manifesting faith that I will be provided
0: for. Yeah. And look, yeah. And I think that, you know, I don't think that's a bad outlook, you know, um, because none of us know, like we could be striving and half killing ourselves, trying to go for something that, you know, whether that be job promotion or something that doesn't fulfill us, doesn't make us happy. So therefore, if you're at work and you're striving away trying to go for that promotion, then you're just like, well, buy off, kill yourself, never see your family and all of the various different other things to do something that in the end, when you get it, you're not happy with anyway. So that to me just seems insane.
1: It is, and it's all about that balance. And that's what I found. It's one of like the things is my husband at the time was always working. He was never around, ever, ever, ever around. I was always alone, physically, mentally, emotionally. And I remember being like, his father was the same way. His grandfather was the same way. They're farmers. Like, that's what it is. But then in my head, I was like, but you're missing out on all of this. So when, when is enough enough? When are you willing to sacrifice things to fill your cup and other things? And I guess that's a personal decision for everybody to make. But I just encourage people that the universe and life is bigger than what you can imagine in a limited way. And just to take a moment to really look around you and be like, what about my dreams? What about that inner child? Why don't I listen to her or him? Because the thing is, you can still... Maybe there's something that I need. Yeah.
0: And you can still do what you need to do and mm-hmm. still be there for your kids. Um, I think it's extremely important that you actually do focus on your happiness because if you're unhappy and stuck and feeling trapped and things like that, that can only convey to your children at the end of the day and that can make that. And that's what they're going to learn what love is.
1: And that's what they're going to learn what normal is. And it's not to say that my husband and I had a loveless marriage there was much love there. We've known each other since we were 13. But the difference was is that I want my kids to really I'm all about their emotional development especially because I was very I I'm a very dependent person. So I had to go through all of my trauma to learn how to be independent, how to do things on my own. And one of the biggest things that I said earlier was one of the things that I took away the most is I said, I was always telling him that I needed him to love me in a certain way and that I wasn't getting, he wasn't speaking my love language. But now I'm like, well, why did I put that on him? Why wasn't I so fulfilled on my own that I put that much pressure on somebody else to fill a void that I had to fill? And that's a really big thing. And a lot of people expect their partners to, Fill certain attributes. But now, like, when I'm looking at future partners, the first thing I say is I'm going to be very clear to you. And I say this, like, right away on first dates, I go, I don't need you. I'm choosing to want you. But at any point in time, if you make me slightly unhappy, and if you cause more stress, I don't need more. I'm, I, I am stressed out. So if you're not going to give me something that is going to make my life better. I don't want you in it. And it's simple as that. And I was like, this is your life. This is my life. You do you. I'm going to do me. And we're going to live our lives in parallel, not together, parallel. You have your goals. I have mine. It doesn't mean we can't connect in the middle, be like, Hey, how are you doing? Good, good, good. And you want to work and you want to collaborate together? hundred percent. Like let's create an empire together. That's
0: different. You should support each other. That's the thing. It's, you know, support him in his goals and he supports you in your goals. And you grow supporting and being respectful and trusting of the other person.
1: Exactly. And that was my biggest thing is keeping that separation because I never want to be in a codependent relationship ever again. What I didn't know is how like toxic that was. And the way I was living was so toxic that I had to be so independent on my own and in order to allow somebody with that same vibration to me.
0: And you think the catalyst of all this was Jack and the fact that you lost him, unfortunately, but that in yeah. using him, you basically, and all of that. It's all when I'm listening to you talk about everything that's happening <laughs> in the last, it's almost like the world went, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, unfortunately you lost your son but it's about the world saying to you hey life is precious okay these things can happen just like this so you need to go and do what you need to go and do right so if you're not happy in this marriage go and find out what makes you happy but then also right it was almost like you stay you sort of weren't too sure about whether you should go and do what you need to go and do. And then you went to Vegas and then something happened to you in Vegas. It was almost like the world sort of going, no, no, no. We're telling you, you need to find your happiness. And then you had something happen and then something else happened.
1: I was like, I don't want to do the shadow work. I want to keep being distracted. I want to keep masking. I want to keep being like, I was fighting myself so much. I have, so my stomach would blow <gasps> really from the time, Like it looked like I was nine months pregnant every time I ate and I lost so much weight that I stopped eating in my marriage because I was so sick wow. and I did every possible test. Nobody could figure it out. The day I moved out of my house was the day my stomach never swelled up again. And when I, I called the doctor and he did, he's like, so how's your stomach? And I was like, funny thing i i i'm separated from my husband and my stomach never swelled again and they're like yeah and they're just kind of like you idiot they're like that's your stress yeah. response that is literally your body saying nope this makes you unhappy you're unhappy something's wrong wow. get out of there that is like my literally body's physical response so anytime i have a swollen stomach i'm
0: always like mm, am i happy
1: am i aligning it's because like, it, my, that's my body saying, hey, something's not right here.
0: Wow. So
1: my splenic energy is kind of just like, uh, you sure? You sure this is where what you want to do, where you want to go? And once I started reminding myself that your body's 80% water. Water holds memories.
0: Wow. Water, yes. memories,
1: trauma. And every different, every part of your body, like I see an osteopath and he's like, oh, you're stressed. Oh, you're angry. And he hits certain spots and he's like, why are you sad today? And he like, or why are you so angry? And he like holds my kidneys and I'm like, oh, he's like, oh, you're really angry today. You have to like, and so when you start learning to pay attention to your body and if you have health problems, really think of like the actual reason if you like Google even, I know say don't Google, but actually Google this. Yeah, I do. What is the reason of like, what does your knee symbolize? Knee pain. What is the actual symbol of knee pain? And it will say, like, you feel stuck. And it's your body's actually, when you have pain in a certain part of your body, it's your body's way of saying, hey, pay attention to me, find the reasoning behind it, and let's investigate it further because your body's saying, hi. Yeah,
0: hello. I'm giving well, you the tool. And, and I've mentioned it on here. Um, Gabba Mate is a Canadian Um physicist uh, physicist what am I saying physicist for physician who basically deals with uh, dealt with the last 30 40 years uh, addiction right and trauma on you know on addicts and things like that and you know why people are addicts because they're basically been through traumatic situations to them because I'm you know I can't other people may not find them traumatic but to them and their psyche um, and what they were doing it might not have been that it was you know somebody stabbing their mother or whatever but it could be that they um, were taken away from their mother for a period of time or whatever right For a small bit, you know, a couple of weeks, they were taken away from their mother. I mean, my son, I had a a regular heart, so I know exactly where you're going with your son, but I had a regular heart um, four years ago and I went into hospital to get it sorted out. And thank God, touch wood, and I'm going to touch my windowsill, touch wood. everything's okay but I my son had never been away from me uh, I'd always been there in the morning when he woke up and like I was in hospital so he woke up to my parents so they weren't strangers but he woke up to my parents and he was like well where's my mum and it's even now it's it's sort of instilled in him this innate mum don't you're not going away are you you are coming back and sort of like because he's concerned because that was what he experienced as a well what would he have been there two year old really? So, you know. Yeah. Um not saying he's gonna be a drug addict or anything <laughs> like that. But well. you know, but the thing is it was a trauma experience that, you know, and he there's different ways you deal with it. And it's the same with you know, what how you've dealt with your life and what you've been through, you know, and it's about the ways that you deal with it and it's about learning about yourself. And the pressures and stresses about dealing with it. But he also, Gabber Mateo also writes about the body's many, no, I've got that wrong. He writes about um, stresses in the body and how it basically, um, st- that stress is a sign, so illness is a sign of stress on your body. So things like a heart issue, for me potentially was that i was going through a separation i was dealing with a very toxic um you know person within the relationship i was dealing with a toxic working situation but i was also suppressing all of that emotion so that my son didn't go through any trauma right so i'm going right he's going to have this is going to be normal right we're going to normalize this for him so i suppressed everything right and um you know and something like that potentially is suppressing your emotions has an impact on where your emotions would sit which is in your heart as such and other people it can be um various different other things it's very interesting the book he's written but there's another book and i can't think what the other book's name is but it's it's something about the stresses on the body and i can't think who's written that either i'm useless today aren't i but yeah and it exists, but exactly what you're saying so the you you take stress in on your digestion system is stressed out when you're stressed out, mine is probably my heart, which is probably not good. I and sort of want it to be my digestion system because I'm 20 no. kilos COVID weight on and need to lose this 20 kilos of COVID weight. But you know, that, but yeah, exactly. But it's
1: really interesting. And I learned something today that I would love to share with you. Um, yeah. Somebody said the acronyms of y- ways to make you happy is the acronym of DOSE. So it's dopamine oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And there's different ways that you can create happiness. So you don't like have to take like pharmaceutical drugs or you don't, there are many options, but the one was talking about like one of the four, they said it comes from having a healthy gut. So simply what you're eating and if you're eating well, then that's actually going to create like this biome in your gut and it's going to produce one of these four, and I should have read into it a little bit more before I talk about it, but it creates the, what you need to make you happy. And I thought that was really fascinating because people always like, and I said in my thing too, like drink lots of water and eat well, but that's also because like, it does create that healthy gut and it wants you to like, when you're hangry, like hangry is a real thing. When you eat food, you stop becoming hangry because it releases that like satisfaction um creating small goals and achieving getting that reward system for achieving small goals that's also something that brings you that satisfaction and that natural state of happiness which are things that i was taught to do when i was going through my grief process of like having the miscarriage was okay what can i do for myself that is going to allow me to naturally build up these four elements of creating happiness. And I think that's something that's really important, especially like when you're going through trauma and you're going through grief is yes. When you're in that moment, you feel like you can't see a light, but it's just taking, it's allowing yourself, giving yourself that grace. um, And of a- I think grace is like the biggest Mm. word that I want to say because you're not to blame and you shouldn't feel shame. And it's literally giving yourself that grace and understanding that you're allowed to make mistakes and you're allowed to own your mistakes and don't let anybody take your mistakes and use them against you because that's not the way the world works. And once you kind of put up those boundaries and be like, yeah, I did do those things. 100% I did. And you know what? I did them because at that moment I used the tools in my toolbox, and these were the validating things that caused me to react in this way. And that's what I did. And there's no way I can change the past. So the only thing I can worry about now is how I can move forward in the right direction.
0: Well, and and, and that's right. And and I I can imagine, and I can only imagine, because I'm I was extremely lucky. Like I basically made a decision to try for a child three weeks later i'm pregnant with my son and i had my son which is great and i'm too old i mean i had my son at 44 i'm too old to try and for another child and it was too much of a bizarre relationship to be in to even bring another child into that so i've got my son and he's awesome and he's got two step sisters or half sisters which is great so he's got like brothers and sisters which is awesome but i suppose the key thing is um not to blame yourself for the miscarriage and, and all of that situation. It, you know, it, it, in this world that we live in, a lot of it is unexplained, right? We, we just don't know why these things happen and why, why Jack couldn't survive in this world. He survived within you for a period of time. But maybe he wasn't supposed to. Maybe he was supposed to. <laughs> be there to educate and bring positivity into this world in a different way yes. and he's now on a different journey and, and the reason and i don't know people probably think i'm a hippie i don't I'm, I'm very agnostic about religion and all of that stuff i don't i don't know because i don't know what i don't know right so i don't know where we go to after we die or whether we even go to anywhere or whether we've got a consciousness or anything like that but i in a way I always like to think of it as people going on another journey. Like, you know, we've had this world, which is great and lovely, but we still don't know very much about quantum physics and all the vibrations of the world and the subconscious. Although I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast the other day which this guy was talking about subconscious and death and all of these things, which blew my mind because he was going in, like it was way over my head. So I've got to listen to it again. But we don't know all of that stuff. Well, he might do a little bit more than I do. Yeah, I always think it's about them maybe on a different journey to, I mean, who knows? We just don't know. Until you die, you just don't know. No,
1: we don't know. And it goes back to what, like here, all I know is that I'm sharing my time and energy and all I know is the now. And I'm here with you and the listeners who are listening. And that's where I am presently. And I live that way moment to moment to moment. That is the only way I live now. I used to be so fearful of the future. I used to be so fearful of the past. And now I'm just like, all I know is now. So that's why going back, I'm like, I'm just choosing happiness now. Which is perfect. And the greatest thing about, I used to really be fearful of death. And I won't really talk about How that stopped, because that's a whole other story. And but when I went through that experience, I remember I was on a couch and I like went outside of my body and I was energy. And I don't know how to explain this because you think you're hippie. Well, listen to this, but I was energy. And I wasn't in my body. I was literally outside of myself, and I was just everywhere. I was the couch, I was the ladder, I was everything. Wow, and then I remember, like coming back, and I was like, "All of this isn't
0: real." Yeah, and it was
1: the first time I felt it's a Matrix. It was, but I was like, it was the first time that I felt like not in me that, like, I wasn't just this person that you see here, and I was everywhere. And what's like the really interesting part is, it's like, yes, just like how you are on Earth, you. Force yourself to be limited in belief because you're so fearful of it, just the unknown. Uh, human truth is um, humans just want to reach their highest potential. Humans want to create control over their lives. It's all about control and understanding and feeling the sense of belonging. These are all human truths. And when you're thinking about your reality, oh, well, I, I can't I can't do that because I, I can't envision that. Envision it. Force yourself to step out of that comfort zone because just like death and what comes after death, you don't know. And what's more exciting than if you just change your narrative to being like, why does it have to be a negative thing? Why does it have to, and I'm not saying anything bad about this religion at all, but I'll use Christianity as a, an example. One of the things that I would felt really awful about Christianity is because they're like, well, if you do this, you go to hell.
0: And yeah. I was like, well, shit. Well, like, but what does what does that mean? Like, what, what does does that is mean? hell? And why does it? Because for to be? hell for you, hell for you could be great for me, right? So it's exactly. everyone's different hell. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, so unless Satan's
1: yeah. making like a personal hell, like that, yeah. well, you know, he that could be. Like, I I don't <laughs> know, but in my head, I was like, well, why don't I change the narrative and learn about all of the religions? which technically have one main message. Cause I've done this. I've researched yeah. all the religions in depth and I've come to terms that they're all just saying to love each other the way you want to be loved. That's it. And so in my head, I was like, whether if I go to hell or heaven, if that, if, if Christianity is right, or if this is right, or if this is, it doesn't really matter if I live my life and I'm treating and loving people the way I want to be loved and treated then I am happy with my life. And if I change my narrative into thinking, you know what? What if I don't go to hell? What if I, what if I talk? Like, what if I I become a cow? What if I become another person? What if my energy is grass? What think about like, allow yourself to not, to think bigger, explore different options. And it's not to say, I'm saying I'm going to become a cow. It's just saying, hey, if that's what happens, (laughs) let's be a cow. And it can be as silly as or not silly as that. It's a simple fact is that nobody knows. So why not be the best person you can be for yourself and for others and allow yourself to imagine and go crazy with your imagination. Be in childlike, be that person that allows yourself to think and be creative and have endless possibilities of what may be because you don't know and so embrace it
0: exactly i mean i you know when i started this podcast and i've said this before you know when i started this podcast i was like who's going to listen to this? What's going to go? You're like, what? And and, in the end, and and it was starting to affect me to the point where I was going, maybe I won't do this, you know, where you do that self-doubt because your reptilian brain's going, oh, why are you doing it? Like, and then I was going, what are the consequences of doing the podcast on my son because, you know, I'm going to be putting stuff out there. And, like, and in the end, I just went, whoa, hang on a minute. Hold your horses. Like, just do it. Because you don't know if any of those things that you're worried about are even going to happen because 95% of the time when you worry about stuff, none of it happens anyway. And so if you just sit there and go, no, thank you for saying I need to be aware that maybe something like that will happen, but like just push it off and carry on going forward. See what happens.
1: Thoughts are just thoughts. Your feelings are just feelings and they are the ebb and flow. And if you, what I learned during my grief was fact, fiction. This is a thought and labeling. Labeling is so important. I, really? oh, I would be filled with so many different things that I had to learn how to be like, okay, this, I am labeling this as a thought. The thought is this. Is this thought fact or fiction? And just breaking it down like that was fabulous.
0: Yeah, no, I could look. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, it, But let's go back to the labeling, right? What did you mean by the labeling? Um, did you- so when you're
1: brought in with all these different feelings and emotions and thoughts, and typically, like let's say you're having a panic and an anxiety attack, you get this whirlwind of things that all come into your body. And so what I do is I like take my deep breaths and then I think about it and I say, okay, this is a feeling. This pounding of my chest is a feeling. This is a physical response to what? Okay. Oh, I'm thinking something. This is a thought. It's only a thought. This thought says whatever. And then you go okay, thought, you are just a thought. it hasn't happened yet,
0: is what you're saying. It hasn't happened.
1: And then you go, is it reality? Is it fact or fiction? Is this thought, fact, or fiction? Okay. If it's fiction, is there anything you can do about it to change the outcome? Yes or no? And you work your way through it. And then once you acknowledge it, you let that thought go just like a wave. It comes in, the thought comes in, you label it as a thought, you acknowledge the thought, and then you let it
0: go. I get you. When
1: you have that feeling, you're, oh, yeah, this is a feeling. It's not going to last. This is just a feeling. You don't stay in a feeling 24 seven. This is a temporary feeling. You are only a feeling I acknowledge that this is a feeling based on a thought that I have acknowledged and labeled and let go as a thought. So I am now letting go of the feeling. And then you breathe. And I always think of like a sunlight on the top of my head, or if you want to do breathing. So breathe in mindfulness, or I always say wise mind because I believe in like the three minds. So I go breathe in wise mind, breathe out anxiety or breathe out heart palpations or breathe out feeling and i state what i want to breathe out breathe in calm breathe out sadness breathe in this
0: oh okay and you're
1: it's allowing yourself it's and
0: so you're expelling all the negatives and breathing in the positives that you want to breathe in
1: right but it's also you're labeling it and acknowledging it so when you're breathing it out you're also Reprogramming your brain into something positive. So you're t- teaching yourself, I am not that feeling. I am not that emotion. I am not that thought. I'm going to replace that negativity with something positive. Your brain is like a computer. So you spend all of your time teaching yourself and telling yourself these certain things. Sometimes it's your inner voice. So typically, a parent is who speaks to you, and that becomes your inner voice. Um, your experiences are your inner voice, your perceptions. A lot of the things accumulate to who you, what your inner voice is. And those thoughts are what you believe in, what you think about, what you feel, what you put your attention to is literally what is going to happen. So to force yourself to change your narrative and your storyline and your mindset, you have to take out those limiting thoughts and beliefs about yourself. So my thing is, I always thought I was never enough. I was unwanted. So that was my staple and that became my identity. So what I'm working on, which is continuous, and especially of an adopted child, it only gets, it's even more elevated, but I have to tell myself that I am wanted and I am loved and I am enough. And the more I speak those things, the more I, my brain goes, oh, okay. That's what we're labeling ourselves. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's who we are. And then you'll see that you're going to speak more kindly about yourself. You're going to feel better about yourself. The way you, everything about you changes because now you are bringing in that positivity and you're not allowing your inner child or your inner voices to take control and be the narrative that you've told yourself for so long. You're the only one that's in charge of everything. You're never going to be, horrible.
0: yeah. And, yeah, and I agree with you in the fact that nearly everyone I talk to, and they come from all different walks of life, they're all different levels of success, and they're all driven for their own, like, happiness or their kids or, you know, like, they're just driven people, right? But all of them, nearly all all of them, if not all of them, all were driven by the I'm not good enough. So I'm not good enough, so I must have this as a six to mean that I'm successful or I must have this or I must do this or I drive myself to be really good at work or earning six figures or whatever that's what def- defines me as good enough right with all this good enough thing and it's it's funny everyone like even people I talk to in my day job on the podcast everything like that it's really funny how this is such a crux of things is like I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Yeah, that's just really interesting how it just keeps coming up. And, you're like, and it is about telling yourself, I am good enough. I am wanted. I do have an impact in things. I can control the things that I can control. And all of this, just be positive with yourself and focus on yourself as such because in focusing on yourself and making yourself the best person that you can be, it just helps everyone else around you.
1: And it's interesting that you said that because I spoke to a doctor and what they said is back before social media and the internet, you were the sum of those around you. So yes, you may have compared here and there and there's always insecurities, but now because we are so open, we are comparing ourselves to literally everybody, things that we would have never known we were missing out on. So when I think back to like my children, for example i was like oh my goodness the amount of pressure that they are going to feel i as a child wasn't internet i remember we didn't have internet so i only knew the people around me and typically we all did the same things we all typically looked alike we all acted it's and every community in every state or every country, they were the average sum of who they were. And in order for me to know if anybody was different, I would literally have to travel, be there, learn it, bring it back home. And then I would tell all my friends about it. But if I didn't, yeah, then that or, was the like biggest thing. Or stuff thing.
0: that you would see on the TV. Right, exactly. Because there might be, so for me, exactly, exactly the same as you right and the fact that internet came around for me uh, late 80s early 90s but before that it was what you saw right. on tv so it's what you saw on tv or what happened at your school or around in your local area or what happened at where you were working or you know and now, that I was it now.
1: now even me i just wrote an article about instagram moms and i was like man i looked at so many moms who had I joked about it. I'm like, they had the perfect outfit, they had the perfect hair, the kids were all matching, and they were all pre- hair, everybody just looked like I could cut them out. She just was holding a newborn baby with a six-pack. And I'm like, what? And and then I'm looking My at pet. them and they're living in their mansions <laughs> with all their and it I was like, well, why am I not enough? Why don't I have a 10-karat diamond ring? And why don't I, why don't I get that? And and your ego sets in and all this like entitlement sets in and all these awful feelings and it's only because we have opened ourselves up to comparing other people and we just have to put our horse blinders on
0: but it's also what only what we see so they could be extremely extremely unhappy right but they only allow us to see certain persona or a certain way right yet in the background it's like devastation, right? Or, you know, one room's perfect for the Insta photos and then the rest of the house is a, like, mess because, you know, it's, a, it's we only get a window into these people's lives. And, like, I think our children are going to need so much support regarding – dealing with this and 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 being educated around this and and various different things like that because i think it's going to be it's just going to have a massive effect on them it, you know and we, we've got to like pull them into reality and say hey this is a window into that person's life behind the scenes is a whole load of rubbish going on that we need to like you know deal with people yeah yeah look oh but we do you know what we could get down the instagram blooming rabbit hole, right? And that would be like, uh, yeah, I have so many views. And that was one of the reasons I started this podcast. But look, look it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank oh, you so much, Kay, for coming you. on here. I just have one question to ask you because I'm fascinated with all the people I interview. I'm fascinated with what they would say. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Because it's like people just answer so many different things. And it's it's so funny and deals.
1: I was thinking about this a lot because one, I was going to be like, oh, I want to know what everybody's thinking. And then I was like, no, I don't want that. Um, but what I do want is to be able to control time.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. We've never had that before. Yeah. Yes.
1: So I would, when I'm, when I, wow. I remember the last, my, my youngest baby, And I still remember, okay, this, this is why, sorry, I'll back it up. I have too many thoughts, but (laughs) my brain is my, my uh, ADHD is going crazy right now. But my, (laughs) I would say when someone told me you don't remember the last of the last time you did something, when was the last time you played outside with your friends when you were a child? When was that last bike ride you had? When was that last phone call you made to your best friend as a child. Did you know that was your last phone call? Did you know that was the last time you would be on your bike with your best friend? Right. You don't know. And so when I was thinking about what my superpower would be, it'd be in those moments that I would be able to go back in time or freeze time or be able to just have that moment for a little while. So I could go back and be like, yeah, just breathe in that time when i like fed my youngest baby the last i remember i took a picture because i had this instinct i was feeding her
0: oh my god and i took a
1: photo because i had a feeling that this was going to be the last time she would breastfeed and it was and i have a photo of it and it was such a moment where i was like and she fell asleep and i was like this will be the last time a child will eat from me where i will have a baby in my arms this will be the last time. And I remember taking in that moment and it's, it was like the saddest, but the most beautiful moment. And then it kind of made me realize like, well, I don't remember those moments with any other child, or I don't remember those big moments with any other thing because I never became present in that moment. So when I started really being present in the moment, I'm going, well, you know what? if it is my last time, I knew I did it well.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. No, I think that, oh, that's just an awesome superpower to stop, to be able to stop time and go back or to slow it down so you can enjoy a moment more longer or whatever. I think, yeah, yeah. We've never had that before. See, this is why I like asking the question because there's so many interesting little that people come out with and we've had people want to fly and you know get a time machine well not a time machine but like a machine that they can pop in and go to like somewhere so yeah get in a machine and it goes to mars or whatever without having to get on a plane or a rocket or whatever but yeah so yeah wow okay well look thank you for that thank, thank you. you look okay if people want to get uh who want to but look follow you on tiktok or um which is hilarious i have to say or like you know have more of um get in contact with you or whatever how do they how do they get in contact with you yeah
1: so at k parker official k-a-y-e The E is so important yeah. it's so important it so important Kay Parker Official, K A Y E P A R K E R, official. You can find me on all platforms, um, Instagram and TikTok primarily. I am going to be developing my website soon. I got to hit up my web guy a little bit harder, but oh. it's all coming together now. But be patient with me, hang out for the ride. Um, yeah.
0: I love it. Cool. Awesome. Look, thank you so much because I know you're so busy with like radio and TV and various different other things. (laughs) So, look, thank you so much for spending time with us. And, um, yeah, look, I hope to speak to you soon and find out what's going on. You're going to be on my
1: podcast soon, Tribulations. So, I can't wait
0: to talk to you then if I don't talk to you (laughs) soon. Yeah, in a few months. So, that would be awesome. Yeah, no, brilliant. Look, thank you. You have a great rest of your evening because you're over the other side of the world and um i'll try and get through tuesday and we'll go from there amazing thank you so much (laughs) all right thanks honey speak to you later i hope you have a wonderful week and i hope to see you back here again soon be kind to yourself and remember no one is perfect We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin, and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gao, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check
1: out Radio Karam. Tune in.